0: Hey guys, welcome to the MAP, the Martial Arts Professional Podcast. I'm Professor Pete McHugh. I'm here with Kiyoshi Tom Clifford. Kiyoshi, how
1: are you? Fantastic. Looking forward to today's subject.
0: Yeah, I'm excited too. Um, I know for me personally, this was always, uh, I guess, the scariest part of of running a school, right? Sitting down and asking for the money, right? Hmm. Um, And I I know me personally, I, I think one of my problems was at times I overthought it made it a little bit more difficult than it needed to be you know and at times i think i underthought it and i maybe took for granted how smoothly i thought it was going to go and that's why i think uh processes and procedures are so important right and there's been one that you've been telling me about for years and years and years and i'm pretty sure you got this from you know the educational funding company and you could tell me about that but it's the uh it's the seven magic questions right
1: yes sir I, I learned the seven magic questions back in 91 or 92 from Mr. John Kokinos himself. And he did it very, uh, helped me persistently and patiently and it, it required both because uh, I, I had a lot of trouble with it. It was challenging. The whole idea of it, it was confusing. I didn't understand it. I really didn't appreciate its value, but um, you want to go through them?
0: Yeah. Let's well, hear
1: Go ahead. Okay. So, we'll just role play it. So you've just gone through the introductory process, which is very experiential and emotional. We talked about that in the last couple of podcasts. And um, those, the the program is really not sold on the mat, but it's bought on the mat. You've already decided because you've gone through the process of become behave, believe, and belong, that jujitsu is something that you wanna do. I'm fully aware of that you're at a peak state, you've been awarded your white belt, I congratulate you, and now we have to get the logistics out of the way. And the seven magic questions have a lot to do with logistics. There's some emotional components woven in, but we need to get the mechanics out of the way. We need to have you officially enrolled, and then we're off to the races. So the first thing I'm going to ask you is, uh, Peter, will you be living in the area for at least one year? Yes. And I get a yes. And I might have a sheet of paper with the questions written on them, that's recommended. And I put a big check mark on the box next to question one, will you be living in the area for at least one year? Are you in good health, Peter? Are there any medical problems that would interfere with your progress and interfere with your training?
0: No, I mean, I I wish I was in better shape, but I'm, I'm healthy.
1: So you're in good health, big check, boom. Question two, we have some momentum. Getting here today wasn't difficult. Will you be able to train two times per week on average? Yeah, I think so. Great, big check mark. Next number three, and that's the attendance question. And then number four, smack dab in the middle of the seven questions is, you've seen and heard the student creed. That's the backbone, uh, the foundation upon which everything in the martial arts is built. Uh, it really embodies and encapsulates the philosophy of our school. And uh, we use the full educational funding company, Empower Student Creed, but a lot of people use a 3D creed, so I'll repeat it. As a student of the martial arts, I seek to develop true confidence through a stronger body, a sharper mind, and a non-quitting spirit. Now, Peter, is that philosophy consistent with with your own? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Great. Martial arts is largely about self-improvement, personal development, and that's consistent with your goals? Yes, sir. Terrific. Now, Peter, can you afford to budget $169 a month for your lessons?
0: Yeah, I think I can make that work.
1: Great. So we're up to question five. We've got five check marks next to the boxes. We have tremendous momentum. Do you have a place at home where you could practice some of the things you've learned in class, do some calisthenics? maybe some strengthening exercises and some stretching at home. Yeah. Yeah. Right in my living room. Great. So that's number six. And then number seven, Now, Peter, this is perhaps the most important question. Are you ready to set a goal to build a stronger body, a sharper mind and a non-quitting spirit? I am. Let's go. Great. Congratulations. We have two options for the basic program. One is we can make six installments of X or we can make 12 equal installments of Y. Which one would you prefer?
0: I think the 12 monthly payments will work for me best.
1: Terrific, 12 equal installments of X, fantastic. And here's your agreement and you're gonna sign here on the bottom. If it's electronic, you're gonna do it on a, on a tablet device. If you're still using paper, you're gonna do it right there on a sheet of paper. I'm gonna give you the pink copy and I'm gonna keep the yellow and the white copy for my own file. Nice. Congratulations, Peter, welcome to the school and now we're off to the races.
0: So here's a an important question I have for you. Um so those are the seven magic questions. What's magic? Right. What's magic about them first?
1: One is it 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 keeps our conversation from going north, south, east, and west. We we don't get into a conversation of uh who do you think would win in a fight, Batman or Superman or you know <laughs> yeah. is 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 you know, who's the best fighter in the UFC? Uh, make a muscle. We don't, we don't go into the woods with the thick of thin things. We don't get into a lot of ridiculousness. The second thing it does is it, it shifts the dynamic of the conversation to one where, you know, Peter, you did a great job on the mat. You've earned your white belt. Everything checks out so far. We just want to make sure that we can approve you for full, full enrollment. So we got to get these questions out of the way.
0: So I, I think another important question I have, and you know, even like as a student, is it those specific seven questions that are very important, or is it just the fact that you're leading the charge and directing the conversation? So could it be like five magic questions that don't even sound like the ones that you just asked?
1: It could be, but the reason why those seven have so much value is, the the main legitimate reasons we're gonna break an enrollment. And I, I have a cancellation policy. People can people can fire me anytime they want. I think you have the same policy. Right. Correct? Are you holding anyone to an agreement?
0: We have a 30-day cancellation policy, which honestly we we rarely enforce.
1: All right, let's talk about that quickly because it's an important distinction. Mm-hmm. So as a landlord, my tenants, uh, most of them, my commercial tenants have businesses of their own. I have them on five and 10 year leases, but I have what's called a six month good guy for nearly all of them. And the six month good guy means that if they give me advanced notice, they're only responsible for the next six months of their rent. And on, on month seven, after they've given me notice, they're released, they're held harmless from any further liability or, uh, they're let out of the lease. I let them go. So, what does that mean to you in plain English?
0: Uh, it means that you don't really have a five-year lease, right?
1: Exactly. It means I have a six-month
0: lease. So, here's this is also important on that topic. Mm-hmm. We it's well known that we don't, and you know, I I think maybe I could train my staff a little bit better. Um, we're very open that we don't quote unquote have contracts, but we're we're very specific in is that when we enroll somebody, we do not tell them that, that it's month to month, that they're enrolling into a 12-month program, yes. that it's expected that they train in that specific program for 12 months. Yes. But if something life happens, you know, we, we don't hold you to a, a contract.
1: Yes, yes. And, and, and the main ones that happen from a legal standpoint that allow them to get released from it, even if it was a hard contract with teeth, is their health, If they get a medical reason for not being able to continue their release. If if they are uh, unable to attend because they live 25 miles outside of the radius of the school, in most states, they're released from further obligation. So those are logistics, but I'm not concerned with holding them to the agreement. I just wanna know as an instructor, are they gonna be around to benefit from the program? Right. I want to know up front, like I'm only here for a month or two. Well, that changes things. Doesn't mean I'm not going to allow you to train, but it changes our expectations, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Okay. And the same thing with, well, I, I, I have a major heart condition and, you know, but I would sure like to spend some time in your academy. (laughs) I need to know that up front. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to disqualify someone because they have, A comorbidity that would mean that nobody would be able to train, right? I mean, everybody's got a comorbidity apparently. Yes, sure. But but I I'd like to know that. Now there's all sorts of you know HIPAA uh, regulations that really you don't have to tell me if I ask you whether or not you have a medical problem. You don't have to tell me, but I want a record that well you didn't tell me. I want to have this sheet of paper that says that. Peter told me that he didn't have any health issues. He said that there was nothing that was gonna interfere with his ability to participate. I also wanna know that you're able to attend at least two times per week. Now in your program, you might allow people to come more than that. We both know that a lot of the people who come more than twice a week, there's a name for them, it's called instructor you know, five, six, seven, eight years down the road, a lot of the people who train more frequently turn out to have martial arts schools of their own.
0: Yeah, I know what you're saying because it's the people, and this is we do ask that question all the time. And hmm. when somebody tells me that they can only make it once a week because little Timmy has soccer, band, you know, whatever, I'm really not interested. Why? Because a month down the road, what's going to happen with little Timmy? Little Timmy's mom is going to call and say what?
1: Train us, interfere He's got some other activity conflicting with his ability to. So I want to know that up front.
0: Yeah, I'm with you.
1: I just want to know it up front. So so the logistics are important now. So one, two and three are handling those concerns or do you live close enough? Are you going to be around for a while? And are you in good enough health? Is there something that would prevent your participation in class? you don't have to be in great shape you can even have some health challenges but are you able to participate i want to know those things now we get to the student creed now i i have a bias i think that's very important i believe that it embodies the philosophy of our school what are your feelings there no a lot of people have mixed feelings about
0: that yeah look i i'm not going to have my uh, program director recite the student creed in fact our, our adult program doesn't have it but but that's not entirely true because we're going to talk about the culture of our school and what's expected and the dojo mm-hmm. etiquette and in that in a lot of ways it's kind of the student creed right sure So in the ex- enrollment process we're going to talk about that
1: sure i i just want my inexperienced program director perhaps um my assistant program director uh and An assistant instructor to be able to go through the enrollment process and have a standard set of principles to discuss when the topic comes up. So for me, the student creed provides tremendous advantage. It's not not necessarily necessary, but I wanna have every advantage possible. I also want the parents who are there with their child, to have an understanding that our school follows a code of conduct, you know, you know, the the warriors' code, the one that in the martial arts most of us gravitate toward, is some form or perversion thereof of bushido, or the European code of chivalry, but for many people that's really bullshit. And particularly if they don't have the ability to articulate what those principles mean and how those principles apply to people's lives outside of the school.
0: Let me, let me and, ask you this, because um, I, I think these two things go hand in hand. When somebody comes in for that intro lesson before you know they take their class. You have them fill out um, like a participation waiver, right? Like a yes. registration form. Yes. Do you have on there like the check boxes and, and everything for what you're looking to get out of training?
1: No, but I, ha- I have an attendance card and a pre-registration card that that has those things. So I use a hard card for that, separate and apart from the agreement. So when
0: when you when you or your program director are going to do the enrollment conference, do you? Do you check on that that box? Do You, you should already know why they're there, right? What, yeah. what specifically they look. Do you harp on that a little bit more? Do you bring that into the enrollment process?
1: An experienced registrar, not salesperson, but an experienced registrar will do that. And when I right. use the word registrar, I don't want a conference. I don't want an extension negotiation. I want an enrollment process. So I'm looking for a very matter of fact. Peter, will you be living in the area for at least one year? Yes. Peter, are you in good health? Yes. Will you be able to attend classes two times per week on average? Yes. You've seen and heard the student creed. If you've seen and heard it, I won't repeat it. It's not necessary. But for the purpose of the podcast, I've repeated it but it's right there on the wall and we look at it and you might have a question. And perhaps when you brought Johnny in to enroll, you talked about how he has no self-control. So I want to use the student creed as a a way of explaining what's going to happen through participation in the program to help Johnny cultivate greater self-control.
0: I I agree with you. I like that. And you were right on the money when you were talking about using the seven magic questions as a way to uh, aid, maybe an inexperienced program director, right? Yes, yes.
1: Because you
0: can, one of the things that happens with experience is no matter, even if it does get derailed, you're, you know, you're experienced, you're experienced. you're an expert at bringing it back on track for the, mm-hmm. the enrollment. And I have been in that position early on where it gets derailed and I just can't really bring it back. Um, but I, I think it's pretty easy to train your staff this is just from my 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 perspective and my side. They should know every all of us, the entire staff should know why little Timmy's in class before he's there, right? Because when we when we handle the the inquiry, the info call, we already asked that question during the call. When he comes into and mommy fills out his registration form, she checks the box next to Focus. That's already like we all know that, right? The instructor knows it. The program director knows it. So there are certain key words that that Coach Tony, if he's doing the enrollment, has to hit when you know when we get to that part. And it's and it's easy to say this. Well, Miss McGillicuddy, you saw how our classes are run, right? You saw it was very structured. You saw you know everybody standing on their piece of tape. Um, it's you know very professionally run. That's really going to play a huge role in building Timmy's focus. I think you know that's the same vein accomplishes the same thing maybe as going over the student creed. What do you think?
1: It certainly does. It certainly does. Again, I just, I find there's so much value in, in having a code that the entire dojo recites and agrees upon. There's a, there's a power in that, that unless you're using it, it's difficult to appreciate. And I can tell you, like, the last thing that I wanted to do, I remember Mr. Kokinos telling me that you need the student creed. So so
0: for, for listeners who don't have a student creed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you, if you don't, I would say that you do, you just haven't written it down and a short note's better than a long memory. You have a philosophy, right? Your, your martial art and your school and your particular method and your own personality and character, they come out in your program. But if you can uh, codify it, it would have, it would, I would argue, I wouldn't argue, I would just propose it has more value. So let's continue. So we're doing this standing up, by the way, we're not sitting down in an office and closing the door and making it extra creepy. You know, I'm not trying to trick you into something. I'm not trying to manipulate you. You already want to do it. You, you're you obviously looking to enroll. Gone are the days where, when I, when I we always use, you know, buying a car, Let's talk about buying a house. Like what a nightmare, what a nightmare. Like I I have the money, I just want to buy this house. But I, what I have to go through is this very long pre-approval process. And I've got to prove that I'm capable of buying what I want to buy. And it's long and it's drawn out and it's frustrating. And if it wasn't for the fact that I need shelter and a roof over my head, in a place to leave, you know, to raise my children, I, I probably wouldn't go through with it. It's just a big pain in the neck. And then you gotta sit there with lawyers and it's like an all day thing. When you closed on your house, Peter, do you remember that, that pleasant process?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was awful.
1: Okay, now we're talking about a half million dollar purchase. We're not talking about, uh, you know, $189 a month for lessons. So just let me explain
0: to play devil's advocate yes um and look i have a very very short uh conference wouldn't it you know because you say asap right as soon as yes what if somebody sits down they just took class and she's got her checkbook in her hand Mm -hmm. do you still ask all these questions do you still go over the student creed isn't it just let's get started
1: I, i do but but as you gain more experience i've already said to you peter do you live in the area? Will you be living in the area for at least one year? Yeah. Oh, your daughter goes to the same daycare that my daughter goes through. Great. And you live over on, you know, 1313 Mockingbird Lane with the Munsters. Like, we've already done some of this. We've already talked about um, you had a knee injury back when you played football. And, you know, your knee's a little bit loose, but you're able to train around it. We've had this discussion. We've talked about your ability to participate and you're definitely going to be coming twice a week. So a lot of these things we've already gone through, but take out the, take out the egg timer right now and let's time this. Are you ready? Will you be living in the area for at least one year? Yes. yes. Are you in good health? Yes. Can you attend classes two times a week on average? Yeah, I think so. Fantastic. Here's a copy of the student creed. It's on the wall. It's consistent with, with your own thinking. And you feel like this is going to enhance and not diminish the quality of your life. Great. You can afford $169 a month for your lessons. I think so. You have a place at home where you can practice. Uh, yeah. Are you ready to set a goal to build a stronger body, a sharper mind and a non quitting spirit? I think so. Let's go. Yeah. That's like 30 seconds. It was, now now if you have 33
0: it was 33 seconds.
1: If you haven't memorized them or if you don't have them written down like it it would take forever. Yeah. You know for example So I,
0: let me all right let me ask you this as well because you know people listening we're going to have some people who have been doing enrollment conferences for 10 years they don't, some people, they
1: don't need it. They don't need it.
0: So let me ask you this like for you know you and I we've been doing extension conferences I've been doing them for 13 14 years. Mhm what kind of leeway would you give yourself? So, right. Like do you, do you get I, most of these through a conversation before class even starts or is it no matter I, what you're going to
1: sit down with a checklist? I would say the most effective way is to just have a checklist. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think people are under the impression that you're cheating. They don't think it's no, like, I
0: think, I think it actually does the opposite. It, I think that's that. exactly right.
1: It's on it's on a hard card. It's not on a computer. You actually check it off with a pen. I know, I know that, you know, there's contagions, but I recommend the pen and, uh, and they see it. It's, it's kinesthetic. It's visual. It's auditory. It's a, it's a tactile experience and so is their signature. Yeah. But I also want the momentum of the yeses. It's not uncommon for people when they're parting with their credit card to, uh, To say some ridiculous things. And I want the inexperienced registrar to not be thrown off by those ridiculous things. Let's talk about a couple of the ridiculous things. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so expensive. But (laughs) if you paused and paid attention, they're taking out their purse or their wallet while they're saying, so yeah. you shut up. You let them say what they have to say. You don't, you don't interfere with their ability or their desire to express how much, how expensive they think it is. That's okay. But they're handing over the credit card. Do you, do you have card. any,
0: real quick, do you have any advice for somebody who is scared to ask for the money or is uncomfortable yeah. asking for the money?
1: Of course I do. And that's a big part of this is do you believe in the value of what it is that you do? A, B, did you think that they expected to come in and and not pay for it? Are you under the impression that they came in and they thought maybe you were going to pay them to train? <laughs> and you know when you when you put it in that context of how ridiculous that would be, then it it often helps someone get over the the fear. Do you have do you have like a specific
0: like how do you ask for the money? You just did the extension conference. Do you say? So you asked the, 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 seventh question is, are you ready to, you know, set the goal to create a stronger body, sharper mind and non quitting spirit? They say, yes. What's next?
1: There's two options, cash, credit or charge. Um, I don't say that, but that's, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. because so you're just, you're not, Well, it's important. You don't say yes or no. Right. So when you say, you know, when you use the three C's, you know, cash credit or, or check, um, then they're not, you're not saying, do you want to do it or not? So they're going to pick one of the three and any of those three are okay. Am I correct? Right. Right. So, so that's an easy one is you want to give three options and you can live with any of the three.
0: And look, I know these might sound like ridiculous questions, but I know from experience, like I can remember being a 23 year old kid, never being in this position before doing enrollments and being going through the extension conference beautifully and then
1: getting caught up asking for money. Feeling awkward asking for money. So let's let's do a little bit of a reality check. And you know, I know a lot of people are listening and, and that you know, you have all kinds of people listening, I hope. Some are just they just opened up their school and they're struggling and they're they're having difficulty making the rent. You have other people that are having no difficulty at all paying for their mortgage. You know, that's it's you have both ends of the spectrum and you have everything in between. I'm not talking about the mortgage in their home. I'm talking about the mortgage, mortgage on the in their building yeah. where they have their school. But you have people who are struggling to make ends meet. Pre COVID, during COVID, post COVID, you're going to have both extremes and every other level in between. But let's talk about this. Let's talk about when it comes time, you have an exit strategy, you're ready to move on. We don't retire from the martial arts. We retire when we expire. But there might come a day when we want to pass our school on to someone else. And we might want to pass it on in the form of a sale. We might want to sell our program to one of our students, one of our staff members, somebody who's grown up in the dojo and they're looking to open up a school. And when they're looking to open, you're looking to exit and it's a match made in heaven. part of what's going to give them the confidence to take that step forward is having a system in place where they're not able they're not only able to run the school successfully themselves but they're able to train and develop others who are going to help them. for you know look i was i was 20 years old going to china for 3 months out of the year And I had to leave my school in the hands of staff members, volunteers, people who weren't even on the payroll. If I didn't have a system in place, if I didn't have a methodology, if I didn't have a a blueprint for them to follow, I would have come back from China with no school. But what happened is I would go away for two, three, four months at a time. And when I got back, the school would have grown. It got bigger. It was better. It was better than it was when I had left it, and a lot of that has to do with the strength of the individuals involved. But an enormous amount of that was John Coquinos empowering us with a process, yeah. a process that could be replicated. So, give me some more of the obstacles. Give me some more of the you know what happens when when people are trying to enroll students for the very first time, and they and they. They run into trouble.
0: Well, I mean, you know, we all have the, the common objections, right? Um, I think we already covered a few of them. The first one is people are scared of contracts. Um, I don't know I me. Mean, I don't know many schools these days who do hold people
1: to the 12 month. I don't either. I don't either. And again, I, I think it's a mistake. Like I used to think that the other way was a mistake. And look, the world might change and I might change my mind. But right now, having a binding agreement is a deal breaker.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think for me, specifically in the area that I'm in, what, what I'm finding is we're getting way less objections to like the price and the enrollment process. That's not the problem. What we need to do is tighten up those few moments right after somebody decides to enroll to solidify, I guess, the level of professionalism of our school. So one of the questions I want to ask you was, somebody did enroll. Right. And, and you take their information, you take their credit card. Do you send them home with anything? Do you hand them anything? Do they get like a student handbook? Do they get a t-shirt? Like, do they go home empty handed?
1: No, they go home with their uniform. They go home with a, a little bag to keep their uniform in. If they're kickboxing, they go home with a free pair of gloves. Um, you know, I think that's doing? important. I do. I do. Right? Don't you, do you,
0: like you feel like you need the, the free uh,
1: floor mat for your car. Right. Yeah, I think it's good. I don't, I don't, yes, I I think that it, look, everything we do is going to enhance or diminish their experience and whatever we can do to enhance their experience, we should do. So, you know, a little package that they leave with is certainly beneficial. I, I highly recommend it. What do you give out? what are you doing to we,
0: we have a like i made a, a nice looking student handbook like uh, i got it professionally made um it does it end up on the floor of the car maybe mm-hmm. and i just think you could see people appreciate having like you when you hand them something they appreciate it, it just seems like more professional i
1: think yeah um, I, I think it, i think it is i think the do... most important thing for them to leave with though is their is their kimono their uniform right you Absolutely. know their white belt you know that or their gloves you know, something that has to do with their participation. But the handbook is helpful. It it, it might end up on the floor of the front seat of the car. It might it might end up they go home and they they read through it. Yeah. I don't know. But it could it doesn't hurt. No, we uh, we
0: get it? good feedback on the, the handbook. We do the the car magnet goes a really long way. I mm-hmm. I strongly recommend people get the car magnet because you know, like everybody listening to this, whether you have a school of 50 students or 400, you're a huge part of the community. Like the entire community knows you're there. It's just whether Mm -hmm. or not they started training yet. And when everybody gets a free car magnet, even when they're not your student anymore, they're going to keep that on their car for the next like three, four years till it falls off. That goes a long way. And you get to really see when you're driving around the, you know, the extent of your reach.
1: People want to fly the flag, and if they don't, there's a problem. So things like a car magnet, a bumper sticker. A, they love to do it. Yeah, a, a t shirt, you know, a hat embroidered or, or, uh, you know, with a, uh, you know, any kind of stuff that allows them to make known to their friends, to their circle that they're participating is a benefit to both them and the school. Again, if they're reluctant, if they're not interested in having a t-shirt, if they don't want to let people know, to me, that speaks to a, a challenge. That's an obstacle. That's, a, that's yeah. a problem. Well,
0: I think the problem might be this, and I would love to hear your thoughts. We talked about the seven magic questions and the extension yeah. conference itself. Um, maybe we should touch a little bit on like tuition, um, mm-hmm. maybe like first month price and because there, there are different ways to do it, right? For for me personally, I make enrollment as easy as possible. I make enrollment a, a no brainer. It's a steal. And as my brother would say, it's a steal at twice the price. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we touched on a little bit before my starter program is $99. You get a free gi and 30 months, uh, 30 days of training, a month of training. Mm-hmm. That's a steal, right? It's, and yes. then tuition is $159 a month for the fundamentals program. Yes. But, so you know, low, I also Low know barrier of entry. Low, low barrier.
1: It's very, entry. very low. It's almost yeah. free. It's pretty much free. Why is it free though? Why did Why is it important to assign some monetary value to it? Perceived value. Perceived. So it's not. So it's not worthless. So I. I yeah exactly.
0: And I really like to point this out. Like we're we're very upfront with our tuition. We don't do the. I think that might be a little outdated. You get a lot of people reach out uh, just for hey, can I have some, you know, info on classes and prices? We're upfront. Yeah, it's ninety nine dollars for your first month, and it's one fifty nine after that. And I like to point out that it's 159 after that, even before they they decide to enroll. So they can have that just juxtaposition of how great of a deal that 99 is
1: mm-hmm. and how it's
0: a no brainer. Mm-hmm. So my job is to get them to train with me for 30 days. They're going to enroll. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we also, we, we know schools who they do the opposite. It's like, I guess you could say for lack of a better term, they front load where it's yeah. like 199 to get started. You get your gear, your gloves. And then
1: uh, after
0: that, it's 149 a month.
1: And they both work. Thoughts? They both yeah. work. I think they both work. I think that again, you have to have a method. You have to have a system. So let's let's bring it back to the triangle. So, you know, there, there are people who I've trained with who have extraordinarily effective triangle jokes. And when you ask them like, can you help me with this? They they can't help you with it.
0: They don't know they, why it works.
1: Yeah, they, they can help you with it. I shouldn't say they can't, but they don't yet know that they can. Yeah. And they have difficulty breaking their triangle down into steps. And then they kind of show it to you and you're thinking to yourself, well, I've seen you do it. That's why I ask you for some help. I've already I've already watched you do it. You did it <laughs> yeah. to me, to 12 other people. I, I've i gotten the visual, but I, I'd like some explanation if that would be helpful. And then... Maybe there's some programming that I've not really paid close attention to. Maybe there's some steps and and those steps would help me. And then of course I have to go back through the process of applying that triangle and then maybe I go back for more information. But a lot of times the people who are extraordinarily skilled, they're at the, the stage of unconscious competence. Right. Unconscious competence. Where they don't do me much good. Yeah, I, I want them to be consciously competent so they they can help me out. Now, why do I bring that up? Because the enrollment process—if you're really, really good at it—one indicator to me is you're not reluctant to let somebody else do it. Yeah, but I feel, but if you're I feel reluctant, like I'm
0: being attacked right now. So look, well, I, I, we I'm attacking in- myself. Yeah, of course, and I think one of the most beneficial things about our relationship is you're you're really urging me to codify all the things I do so well, and I have in the past. Now, here's where I'm at, and we talk about how people listening are at different points. You know, seven years ago, I was at that uh, unconsciously competent phase when it was only me. I was a one-man show, teaching great classes and doing great enrollment conferences, and then I brought on my first staff member, and I, you know, for a year, I taught him everything I knew right? Now he's getting to that point. I don't do enrollment conferences anymore. He's at the point now where he's so good at it. Yes. He doesn't realize what he's doing well. Yes. So how is he going to pass on the torch if I don't have a very specific, codified, very clear procedure? Teaching,
1: besides what it does for the student, really gets us associated with the deficiencies in our own skill set. And a lot of times, until we teach, until we actually try to pass something on to someone else, we're very unaware of our blind spots. We're just, we just, they don't occur to us until we try to teach somebody else. And then we while we're actually explaining something, that there's an expectation of our of our understanding. I start to talk to you about something and I realize while I'm talking to you about it, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. Right. That's extraordinarily beneficial. The value of that is immeasurable. Yeah. So, so one thing you want to do is rather than interfering with, you know, you have a guy who doesn't want to pass on the responsibility. You have to make him pass on the responsibility. You can't leave problems. You have to involve that individual in the training process. You know, I want, you know, Jimmy, I want you to teach Billy how to do the enrollment conference. That's great advice. That's well, great. It's going to immediately get that person associated with, they're not really consciously aware of what it is that they're doing while they're doing it. They're on autopilot. So it's a very powerful technique. And you're going to yeah. learn some things if you just sit back and watch. Right. So again, you you asked earlier if there's momentum and somebody's already got their credit card out and they're they want you to turn around and swipe it down the crack of your butt like they're in a hurry. <laughs> they just want to get that. They want to get Jimmy enrolled in karate or jujitsu because you know Billy's got to get over to to baseball practice and you know Susie's got to go over to the dance studio. They've got three kids moving in three different directions. They're in a hurry. They don't want to sit down in an office, close the door and have you read War and Peace. So I don't want anyone to make the mistake of thinking that the seven magic questions is long-winded. It's not. Teaching it is. This podcast is, you know, people, oh, it's a little long-winded. Well, so the how long- It was, 30, you, it was 34 seconds. How long does it take? Let's, let's ask it Seven questions how long does it take you to put me in a triangle about 5 seconds <laughs> about 5 seconds and that's with resistance how long does it take for you to teach me how to put somebody like tony in a triangle
0: with resistance
1: yeah about 6 months maybe yeah. 6 years that's so true. so it's it, it you can't confuse the learning process, the training and development process with the actual application. Yeah,
0: with like efficacy, I yeah. get
1: that. Now, uh-huh. one of the challenges behind the seven magic questions are there's seven of them and people would much rather there only be three.
0: Yeah, here's the, I wanna point this out because I love having these conversations cause you really open my eyes to something that we're, I'm pretty much, we're pretty much, I, I would, my snap judgment would be that we do not use the seven magic questions. Mm-hmm. But we we pretty much do. Yes. We just don't realize we're doing it. And we're so yeah. damn good at it that uh, we haven't really codified it yet, like we just talked about. Yes. Um, so my first reaction to hearing seven magic questions is it takes too long. People right. want to get going. They're ready All to go.
1: Seven of them, man. Listen. <laughs> but <laughs> we... we
0: probably, I probably yap more than that just because I don't have a, a, a process.
1: Yeah, I, I like seven. Like I'm, I'm a big Stephen Covey fan. So I like seven, seven to me is not a lot, but the new generation sevens a lot. They like three. It's why Jordan Peterson's books uh, as great as they are and as popular as they are. Yeah, why are there I two mean, rules? Can you boil I, it down to two rules yeah, for I life? I haven't met anyone yet who can rattle off all 24. Yeah. I and mean, he's got the first 12 and now the second 12, that's 24 rules. That's a lot of rules. But let's put it in perspective, right? Let's just, this is important for those listening. Uh, Let's take karate, for example. You know, in my curriculum, we use a a downward-outward block, a middle-outward block, a high block, a middle-inward block, and a downward-inward block. So it's five actions, right? Five actions, left and right, that's 10 actions. Hark the heavens! You know you'll have grown people, people with who are gainfully employed, they're they're in a committed relationship, children of their own, they have responsibilities, but they'll look at you as though they can't, they can't possibly get all all five of these actions, right? <laughs> by, by by the second grade, we not only know twenty six of them. When I say twenty six, what am I referring to?
0: The alphabet.
1: Yeah, we, we can say twenty all 26, we can sing them. We could actually write 26 of them by the second grade. And we can do them four different ways, right? Once upon a time. I don't know if kids can do it today. Maybe they can only do it with their thumbs or their fingertips. But when we were kids, 26 of them, print, lowercase, uppercase, cursive writing, lowercase, uppercase, that's 104, 104. You're telling me you can't get five gross motor skills called the blocks? That's a mental block. So why do I, I'm putting in perspective, the idea of it's seven questions. Look, it's but not I,
0: only that, you're gonna, I wanna point this out because, sure. all right, Stephen Covey, be, yes. begin with the end in mind, right? Which one is be that? proactive. Does that begin, begin to with the end, end in mind?
1: mind? Put first things first. Yeah. Think win-win. Seek first to understand, then right. to be understood. No,
0: I'm very specific with this. Standard thing.
1: giants. I'm not done yet. <laughs> Sharpen the saw. Go ahead. So begin That's with that. the end in mind. Um,
0: when you're training, you're, when you're doing an extension conference and you're, you're the, a one-man show, eventually you need a staff. You need a staff member. When you hire your first staff member and you train him, you're going to want more staff members and you're going to want to either open up another school or buy a building. You're going to want to grow. So when you're doing these things, like you need these processes, it's the only way. And this is a weird word for martial arts to scale what you have going on. Sure. It cannot be a one man show. Of course. The other thing is this, just like if, if the, if the quality of your classes are, are based on your own personal charisma, talent, and ability, and cannot be replicated by a staff member, you're toast, you're toast. Once you get hurt, once you get burnt out, you are toast.
1: So what I like to say, cause I, I've had people become egomaniacs. I've experienced this before where, you know, I had three schools at one time, three at the same time. Um, great guys, like great guys. But sometimes people's egos would get a little out of control. And really, that's really a reflection, not of their ego, but of insecurity. Yeah. And it would start to believe that it's their charisma and charm. And that's where I would remind someone like, what do you primarily teach, professor? You teach jujitsu. Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu. I, I would argue that a, a lot of your success has to do with the curriculum.
0: Oh, man, jujitsu does all that. When people tell me that I've changed their life, I'm like, jujitsu does the heavy lifting. Karate does the heavy lifting.
1: And you you know, just don't want you just don't want a bad personality to get in the way of that. So right. I don't I don't know what out. staff
0: members you're talking about, but they can only be a rock star with that curriculum, with those with the punching, the kicking,
1: and the blocking. Well, I've seen a few not do very well trying to become rock stars in rock, but have more success in the martial arts, and I attribute a great deal of it to the martial arts. Yes. Meaning we have a very dynamic and exciting curriculum, the martial arts, whatever the system is like any, I love them all. I love them all. I, yeah, let's, not, just so we're clear, like you point out a lot that I, I
0: teach jujitsu. I spent mm-hmm. years and years teaching karate too.
1: Yes. And I I, I've them. not come across a martial art that I don't love. I've come across a few martial artists that I could do without. <laughs> yeah. But, but, look, but what's the point we're trying to make with
0: you can't base the success of your classes off of your own personal charisma. You can't yeah. base whether or not somebody's going to enroll off of your ability to have a like a back and forth, build rapport and make small talk.
1: I'll tell you why you shouldn't. Like, you know, I want people falling in love with the martial arts. Not with me. Like I, I don't. Yeah. You know what? Like, I, I'm not I'm not in need of uh I'm not friendless, I'm not relationshipless, I'm relationship full. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm at the the outer limit and I'm not against expanding my social circles, but I don't want people to subordinate the value of the martial arts to becoming my pal. I want them to subordinate becoming my pal to the value of the martial arts. The martial arts are more important. What I have a moral obligation to have people develop a relationship with is their training. Because if I if I get hit by a bus, if I decide that I've lost interest, you know, that happens. I know that, that a lot it? of people- Yeah, I, I have a hard time believing it. It hasn't happened to me yet, but I've seen it happen. Has any of your students ever said to you, "Listen, like he just he's lost interest. Johnny's lost interest." I've heard yeah. that. Yeah, I've heard, heard it. I've heard, heard it. it. I have a hard time it. Okay, I have, me too. Yeah. But I, have you ever seen an instructor lose interest? I have. Yeah, I have too. I have too. So we have a moral obligation to try to help people fall in love with something rather than someone. And I really give my first instructor a tremendous amount of recognition for making sure that that happened. That's Master Ruben Pratt, is that I fell in love with the martial arts. I wasn't there to hero worship, Though, though I went through a stage as a young kid where there was probably a point where I was more enamored by Master Pratt than the actual martial arts i was participating in i think that's he common. Saw I think that it. common yeah well he saw it's it is common it's probably natural but it doesn't make it a good thing agreed he he worked real hard to make sure and he and it he succeeded in having my primary relationship be with my training you know what it, you know what it was with with second to my training my classmates. classmates, yeah. you know, it was very tertiary, the relationship tertiary. I had with my instructor. Yeah, very tertiary. So that's a, a very important part of all of this is that we wanna make sure our staff, the people who are coming up, they have a method that could be passed on because they can't be passed on. You can't pass you on to your staff. If, if they start acting too much like you how do you feel about that <laughs> i don't dirty it, it's i don't, creepy, I don't like right? it i don't like it. it's, it's really unnerving it's a little it, creepy it happens. yeah you know do, do you remember back in the mullet days this is ironic because here you are with a shaved head <laughs> but let's 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 make sure we're we're clear that has to do with maturation And I don't mean emotional maturity. I mean, chronological maturity. (laughs) So, yeah, like you didn't you didn't necessarily choose that haircut. Time took care of it. But I remember back in the day, there'd be like a a very popular martial arts organization and everybody had a mullet. (laughs)
0: Little weird. Because the, instruct, the instructor had a mullet.
1: Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little weird. It's a little strange, a little bit odd. I,
0: I think we we'll, we can have one of our episodes for sure will be about staff development and things like that. And we could dive into that a little bit. Sure. I think there are times and to a certain capacity, you have to inject a lot of yourself into your staff.
1: And 100%. it's really natural that
0: they're, they're going to mirror, mimic, and steal a lot of your mannerisms and your verbal cues and things. And they should, just like they should Mirror, mimic, and steal the way you do a front kick or an arm lock.
1: And that holds. I know what
0: you're saying. Your job, our job, is to as soon as possible let them swim on their own. And that, and that one of the best ways and first ways to do that is the extension conference. Your staff has to be able to do this on their own.
1: There has to be. They
0: cannot do that on their own without this process
1: in place. Yeah, the method. If you can't replicate the method, it's not a method. Right. It's it's there's it's got to be pragmatic. There's got to be a process. So, so give me, let's, let's close with with some of maybe one or two other concerns around an enrollment process. Let me throw one out. Don't make it a negotiation. Don't ask questions like, would you like to or not? Are you going to or not? As yes as or no. Say again.
0: Act as if, as if they're—it's a guarantee they're going to enroll.
1: Yep, they want to 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 enroll. enroll. They want to enroll. um, uh, Act as though, act as if, but it's always A or B. It's never yes or no. We have option A. We have option B. And and you always make option A and option B options that you can live with. So I let you get my way. What about this? Do you have any questions for me? That's okay. I prefer that I have questions for you. I want to make sure that I'm not, I'm not a control freak dominating the conversation like I am right now. What I want to do though, is I want to ask you questions that are going to help us both get the very job done. that's in your best interest, which is the enrollment. Right. I don't want to go into a rabbit hole. I want to make sure that the All of the questions are converging toward you being an official member of the school. That's what you want. That's what I want. That's what the dojo wants. That's the martial arts decision, is that in order for you to benefit from this, you have to actually be enrolled in the program. So it's A or B, not yes or no. I don't want a negotiation Uh, as quickly as possible without leaving anything out. So you said earlier, like, what if they're waving their credit card up and down? I still wanna make sure there's an understanding. I, 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 I'm I not making them jump through hoops, but there has to be an understanding that you've qualified for this program.
0: I it, like that. It's, that's eye-opening for me. I like that because another thing that that solves is they don't walk to the car thinking they, they made a rash decision or that they got pushed into anything too quickly.
1: The day is going to come where people can enroll in a one-year program online. That day is coming. I mean, a lot of people are already making that.
0: Yeah, I think it's there.
1: Yeah, I I right now don't like it for myself. I might change my mind. I don't mind people purchasing a trial program. And it could be a three-month-long trial program, but I don't like a trial program that long. I think a 30-day trial program is about twenty nine days longer than it needs to be, to find out whether or not they love it and whether or not we want them to become a member of the school. Very quickly, summarize for me why you give them thirty days.
0: It's so a fail I what, guess. For what us,
1: what really happens?
0: I mean, the thirty it it's an illusion. The thirty days is an illusion, and they can take it if they want it, but. We just—it's just one way to lower the barrier of entry, which one barrier of entry is—is is commitment phobia.
1: So it's not really bait and switch because the options. No, not at all. Not at all. But how many people take advantage of those twenty-nine extra days, in contrast to how many people enroll as soon as peak?
0: The vast majority of people actually enroll as soon as peak. The vast majority of people enroll after their first class, I, and, and a lot of that is because of my my top-notch program director. I think.
1: Well, don't you use it as, a, as an eval, as an evaluation for how well the professional team is doing. Meaning that when they enroll on day one, it, it, it has to do with everyone's doing a real good job and we're not interfering with the power of jujitsu. Look, if you don't enroll on day one, it's not jujitsu's fault. Agreed. If you come to my school and you don't enroll on day one, it's not karate's fault. It's, it's me messing it up. I've diminished your perception of the inherent value of the martial arts. That's how I feel about it. I don't feel like, you know, karate messed up. I agree. I interfered with, with your opportunity to experience the martial arts in the way that it should be, which is delightful. It should be, you know, it's, it's, it's rewarding. It's uh, it's exhilarating. It's empowering. And let, let's let finish. Let's finish with this. Everybody wants the same thing. They want power. And that scares people. But that's what people want. They want power. What's an example of that? What, is, what does mom tell you uh, is the reason why she brought Jennifer in for lessons? What mom? What might mom say? She brought Jennifer to is
0: too shy. She wants her to be more confident.
1: Confidence is what? Power. Jimmy's not behaving very well in school. Jimmy's a, a, a disruptive influence. And in he's climate. got
0: no self-control.
1: And what's self-control? It's power. What's physical fitness? It's power. What's the ability to defend yourself? It's power. It's power. You know, in Chinese medicine, there's, there's two main issues with energy. We either have to disperse it because there's an excess, or we have to tonify because there's a deficiency. Uh, when a child has no self-control, they often have an excess of what energy and an inability to control it. They have an excess and we want to, we want to teach them to harness it and reel it in. And when somebody has no self-confidence and they're afraid, they're scared, they have a deficiency and we have to tonify. We have to add energy. We have to bring knowledge and skill to the table. So from that perspective, and that's the lens through which I see it, that's, that's what I want to provide people with an opportunity to perceive themselves when they step onto the mat. All I can do is interfere with that or remove the interference, but it's already there. My right. job is to remove the interference. Does that make sense to you?
0: Yeah. And I think when you approach your extension conference through that lens, all those things that, that I said were difficult become easy.
1: So when you get a lot of objections, what does it tell you?
0: Probably the class wasn't as good as it should be.
1: It was interference. Something yeah.
0: Or, or maybe I'm not conveying what we, we do clear enough.
1: Something was getting in the way of that individual's opportunity to experience the experience. I mean, if you believe in your martial art, I don't even want to say believe in. I like I, I, I believe I when I say to my kid, and you knew you, your, your grandfather is my father. So like you remember your grandfather, uh, he would say to me when I was real young, he's listening man, Thomas, I believe in you. And what he meant by that is I don't believe you.
0: <laughs>
1: i believe in you see i don't i don't believe in the martial arts i believe the martial arts yeah i believe the martial arts like if i believed in the martial arts it would tell me that the martial arts has not quite convinced me yet but i'm optimistic about it <laughs> yeah yeah I, I believe the martial arts. I yeah, think.
0: look, I'm a big fan of getting out of the way, man. Teaching a great intro lesson, doing a great handoff, qualifying with the program director, saying the guy did a great job. I love the questions. Get out of the way. Let the student enroll.
1: So if you ever have a concern, like, I, you know, I want to enroll this student, but I just don't want to be around the other students, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there's a big problem there. This is a big yeah, problem.
0: we do. our enrollments are done right in the lobby, right in front of all the moms, all the kids smiling. It's it's in the middle of a crowd.
1: Doesn't it hold you to a higher standard doing it that way?
0: Not only that, it covers a lot of bases. I'm glad you brought, I brought this up actually, but uh-huh. I learned this from you. I If you do it behind closed doors, it turns into let's make a deal.
1: Yeah. The price is right. Like,
0: what can you do for me Uh when you do it in front of everybody, all the parents in the lobby know that you're not giving somebody else a special deal that everybody's paying the same price. And it also allows you to be like, Hey, Miss McGillicuddy, look over there. You see all those moms sitting over there with those happy, fulfilled kids. It's more social proof.
1: Sure. Don't you, wouldn't you like to be one of them? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So that's, that's the enrollment. And you know, it's, is it over? Like, is this like the enrollment podcast and we don't go back to it? Absolutely not. But seven or eight episodes from now, we'll get right back to it and we'll get back to it with more depth. We'll go back to it with a, with more distinctions and a greater understanding. So I'm looking forward to the next time. And I appreciate the time we spent here together with everyone. And, um, Any closing remarks, Professor?
0: No, it was a good talk, man. It was good to renew these things. I learned a lot.
1: Perfect. I look forward to seeing you next time.
0: All right, guys, take care.